Hey there, I'm going to do a quick little intro here so we can dive into this busting at the seams episode today where my colleague Marika Steen and I answer all of your perimenopause and beyond questions. So I just want to let you know we had I think over 40 questions submitted and we had time to get to about six of those um, and we could have gone on but this would have been the longest episode in the world. So we tried to hit the ones that were sort of um, made sense for the most people at this time and then we were also able to combine a few questions because they were similar enough that hopefully we got those answers. But I do want to let you know if you did submit a question and we didn't get it to it this time that we will in a future episode. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you aren't already subscribed so you don't miss that future episode. So that's a promise from me. I have my list here waiting. Um, but in the meantime, if you don't have a chance to listen to the entire episode, I did want to let you know up front here about our new perimenopause program called Perimenopause Like a Boss. That It is a live program that's happening in July, starting July 10th. So we are super excited. It's Marika and I doing this program together. We're leading it together and it's going to have everything that you need to start on your perimenopausal journey or even if you're already in it. If you feel like you don't know enough um, or you have a lot of questions that you aren't getting answered maybe from your doctor or other practitioner that you're working with this is the place to come we're going to be answering your questions supporting you with telling you what it's all about telling you what the process is about what to look for what the different symptoms mean what kind of diet lifestyle supplements are best for you when you should consider BHRT, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, um, and you know some of the issues that can come up in the process of using BHRT. We're going to cover it all and so much more. You get tons of free bonuses too. So if you want to learn more about it, all you have to do is click on the link in the notes. It's going to take you directly to the page that does the breakdown for our four weeks. And basically you'll get a packet every Monday of goodies, of video, audio, written information. And then we're going to have a live Q&A on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, if you can't make that time, it's all good. We will record it and upload it in our private community. We'll also have a private community not on Facebook. I know a lot of you have requested to no longer do groups, um, you know, private group pages on Facebook. And luckily, we're moved over to the new system that I'm on and it has a private community component. So super excited about that. So you'll have chances to ask questions in that community um, throughout the week, as well as Q&As on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So much fun. I'm so excited. We're pumped to do this. Hope that you can be there. Please do note, if you sign up this week, we do have a $50 off coupon with code BOSS, B-O-S-S, at checkout. So go ahead and grab your spot. We are limiting the spots because we want to have a nice cohesive group. We've already got a few of those spots filled. So go ahead and grab a spot if this is calling to you. It is time to take control back from the crazy perimenopausal journey. So, all right, on that note, you're going to learn a lot today. Um, and I'm excited for you to get more empowered. You know, that's what the goal is always get empowered, know your body, know what's going on, understand what questions to ask, um, make this not a horrendous time 
of life, right? It is a time for you to really love on your body and appreciate your body and support it. So we're going to talk about how to do all of that today. I will see you soon. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this last episode of season four of Hormonally Speaking. Today, we are doing something a little different I've been wanting to do for a while, and that is a Q&A on the podcast, because there are so many questions that I get all the time and that my colleagues get all the time um, that, you know, we can't always answer everything because some of them are very specific medical issues for that person, but just some generalized things. I think so many of us out there are confused about all the information coming at us. Um, And then of course, we're all individuals and have individual reactions to the different things that we try. So here we are today, and I am with my colleague, Marika, who you've seen before on the podcast. Um, and Hi. <laughs> hi, welcome. <laughs> um, and I'm super excited for us to go through these Q&As. Marika and I work together um, on with different clients and on different projects, and we just thought this would be a fun opportunity to, to do some chatting. So come along with us for the ride. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, mostly we're talking um, sort of perimenopausal issues, BHRT, which is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. If you've been listening to the podcast at all, you know that that is something that I like to talk about a lot. Um, and there are a lot of questions around that. So we got, I don't know how many, like 40 some odd questions or something like 30 some odd questions. So we're definitely not going to be able to get into all of those today. Um, but we're going to start off with some of the big ones that kind of jumped out to us and then hopefully do some more of the questions, um, answer some more of the questions in later episodes. So you ready to dive in Marika? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do okay. This. Okay. So the first question that we got is a sort of over, you know, all encompassing kind of question. So we can't go two hours long on the answers and we're going to give you some basics. And that was any specific ways to support my body and mind while heading into perimenopause. And that is from Jody. Do you want to start with some thoughts? Yeah, I think the biggest one that comes to my mind is really stress management. Um, so for me, stress is the biggest hormone killer ever. Yep. Uh-huh. And it just doesn't get any better once we hit perimenopause. And that's also linked to uh, the lack of progesterone. And so our progesterone is naturally declining as the first hormone as probably many of the listeners uh, actually know. Mm -hmm. Um, But that actually gives room for cortisol, which is our stress hormone, to rise. And so that's why we actually are exposed to, or we're more prone to be stressed in Mm -hmm. perimenopause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And anxiety is just one thing that happens for many women that comes with it, um, also with the low progesterone. But um, basically when we have elevated cortisol, it affects so many 
other things and so many it affects our blood sugar it affects and and, and it all kind of comes together and circulates back so that in the end we we just the more stress we have the the higher our blood sugar will be and the the less progesterone we will make and mm -hmm. the more anxiety we will have and so i mean it's it's all this together basically um and i think that's the probably the best thing that you can do for yourself mm -hmm. and for your hormone uh balance mm -hmm. <laughs> is to uh manage stress and uh, and of course i mean this is like a you know a big thing that i think we we have we have this conversation a lot with our clients who are just you know busy um moms with kids and um careers and basically all these things going on and um so i think the first thing is actually to that i always recommend is to kind of take an inventory and really mm -hmm. see just be get aware of what kind of stress you have in 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 your life and for me actually exercise was a big one mm -hmm. and it took me a long time mm -hmm. to actually notice or realize that mm, actually maybe exercise may you know if it's too much yeah. it can also be a, a stressor and um so it, it can be so many different and just silly things that we don't even think are stressing us yeah. but basically ev everything that impacts your mind that um that makes you worry um and it, it can sometimes also be stressful relationships even with people that you like but they're just sucking out your energy yeah yeah and um, so i mean i have a friend like this I, I i like her a lot but when i spend time with her i feel like i need to recover for a couple of days afterwards yeah and so, I mean, she's still my friend, but I just make sure that I don't see her that much. Right. You're like, I love her from afar more often. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, or I basically, I, I set boundaries. You know, yeah. I say, okay, yeah. let's meet. Yeah, let's meet and have a coffee. So I know um, it can't just kind of develop into this um meeting where you know I, I will never be able to get away right like hours <laughs> or, long yep, yeah yeah or mm -hmm. you know she will be at my house and I will be like okay yeah uh scaling along so um yeah. I mean this may not um be applicable to everyone but probably everyone has you know some sort of area that they yeah. can look into yeah and basically take an inventory and kind of look at what you what can you scrap from that list yeah and yeah. the more you can scrap from that list the better yeah. where can you get help you know sometimes we're yeah. just stressing ourselves for nothing we're just worrying about uh, too many things and doing it all on our own yeah but we have uh, family we have friends we have all these people around us and sometimes it's also good to to ask for help right mm -hmm. absolutely and yeah. then of course uh, if we have all these stressors and there's nothing we can do about them, um, what's really important is stress management techniques. And um, that's, again, very personal, I find, um, you know, getting access to some some sort of meditation. And if you're not into that, trying like a yoga nidra or like mm -hmm. a guided meditation and you don't have to like go about it for hours every day or it's basically I think it's better to do five minutes every day than an hour once per month. Right. hundred um, percent. And that can be uh, just going for a walk, you know, basically um, taking at least 15 minutes to go into nature and, and 
take some deep breaths and just, you know, be there in the present moment. Um, those are all things that can really help to kind of wind us down and bring us back into this parasympathetic state. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that can be a big help, uh, yeah. I think. So I think of it like the anti-hustle culture, right? We got so much into this idea of the hustle you know, hustling multiple jobs, like handling all these things. And that is not how women's bodies work, right? We do not handle, particularly as we're going into perimenopause, we do not handle having a million things going on well. And we shouldn't, right? There's a lot of receiving that we need to start to get into the mindset of. Um, I know I have to work on this always myself because we're so used to just that giving, 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 you know? And I just uh, actually posted an article on my website. Um, it'll be a couple of weeks, I guess, by the time this comes out. But um, it's about oxytocin and how mm. you know what an interesting relationship oxytocin has with cortisol, too, right? It's kind of it's the antithesis to cortisol. And so, what is oxytocin? A lot of people think, oh, when I have sex or if I'm um, breastfeeding a baby. But there's mm -hmm. all of these other ways to get your oxytocin going. And really, like, when I think about that, I think about well, what is fun? What is fun in my life? How can I bring fun into my every day? Because that mm -hmm. is actually what triggers oxytocin, right? And of course, you know, fun in what I say a healthy way, because I think as adults, sometimes we can go into fun as in a you know, I'm going to go drink a bunch of drinks or yeah, overboard kind of way. <laughs> right, right. Which is not so helpful when we're in perimenopause. So a lot of times I'm like, well, what did I really enjoy as a kid? You know, what did I really love doing? Um, and trying to bring those things into my daily life as much as possible. Like, and this is, you know, not a five minute thing, but the other weekend I went to a water park with some friends because I loved water parks as a kid. And I like, was yeah, so fun. giddy to go do that, you know? And, and so I think you have to be more like concentrating more on what brings you joy to combat like what you were talking about, that decrease in progesterone that we know starts happening at age 35, right? So by the time you're early to mid forties, you know, you may still have a normal cycle, but I guarantee that progesterone or lack thereof is impacting your moods. It's impacting that anxiety. It's impacting sleep for a lot of women, right? Yeah, These sleep. Anxiety and sleep. Say. Those are the two yeah. big ones, right? Those are the first ones that I see with my clients. Um, and, you know, for a little while, things like Vitex, which is what a lot of people will take in order to support their progesterone, that can help for a while. But I'll be honest, like the deeper you get into your 40s, the less that that's going to work, right? You just can't yeah. force your body to produce progesterone when you're not ovulating every month, when your ovulation isn't, you know, as quality every month. Um, so while people can try that, and I think that's always a great thing to try and can work for a while, um, pay attention. And if it isn't working anymore, then I'm personally a big fan of thinking about progesterone, bioidentical progesterone yeah. way before a lot of doctors are thinking about it. Right. I know that you're on it. Um, and I know yeah. that I'm on it, you know, and, and it's, um, it's just, it's key on so many levels, right. Just to help level out stress, but also, you know, we're, we're setting ourselves up for the rest of our lives and getting 
hormones in before they nosedive is going to help particularly your bone health in the long term because while estrogen's the big player with bone health, progesterone is also part of that too. Um, your heart health and your brain health, you know? And so I I love that what I'm seeing lately is a lot more experts in the field, particularly in the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy field who have been doing this for 30, 40 years. So they know their stuff. They're all recommending start it earlier than you would think you would, you know, don't yeah, wait till exactly. menopause, yeah. you know, don't even wait till late perimenopause, you know, start thinking about that now. Um, yeah. I, and that's also the thing. Why would you actually wait so long until you're, until you can't like manage your life anymore until you right. have like all these symptoms and you feel so horrible. Right. Um, right. And then you're already in it. Right. Yep. So, yep. I mean, prevention I is always better 100 <laughs> percent. and i love herbs and herbs can be helpful in a lot of ways but herbs can't replace hormones that you're no longer making like they're just yeah exactly <laughs> where your ovaries <laughs> will stop producing those hormones as much as that sucks and yeah. we might not like it yeah uh, that's the way it is so yeah. if they're if the ovaries stop producing the hormones i mean that's you can't stimulate anything yeah. anymore so yeah. um yeah at one point there's not much anything else that you can do except taking uh, bioidenticals. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I do recommend people don't go willy-nilly on utilizing bioidenticals. You know, I mean, I know that most of them you can get over the counter now. You can get progesterone, you can get estrogen or estradiol, estriol. You can't get testosterone, but it is a really good idea to test your hormones you know, just so that you have, I, I was uh, interviewing someone recently where they recommend or really starting to test your hormones mid to late thirties so that you have a nice baseline of where, you know, things are before you start to nosedive. Um, but even if you're in your mid forties now, like it's a good idea to go ahead and test those hormones so that you kind of understand where things are at because you could be 45. But that was actually the next, the next question. Oh, from it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's maybe, um, slide into that <laughs> well first finish i don't know was there anything else we wanted With to add to this question um you know i think i mean what you said is just so key around the stress factor you know um certainly mm. diet in yeah exactly blood sugar balance you know becomes your your as your hormones fluctuate you're not able to handle sugar in the same way right your insulin the way your insulin reacts changes all of these things and so you need to really hone in on a really solid, good protein, you know, good fats, lots of veggies kind of diet. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know that's tough for some people, but you are really setting yourself up for years to come right now. And then you're also just trying to um, support your body really well with keeping it on this kind of stable path. Yeah. As your hormones are starting to go crazy, right? And my clients say that all the time when, when I eat well, I, I feel so much better and I don't I don't have all these symptoms. Right. But then if they don't anymore, they they immediately go Slide back that. to yeah. yeah. And yep. so it, it does have a huge impact. And yeah. I don't know if I told you about the uh, continuous clutch uh, uh, glucose monitor experiment I did on myself no, no tell us so that's a while ago now but I basically um I tested my I started on day seven of my cycle mm -hmm. so they're always good for two weeks mm -hmm. I was okay I have this thing for two weeks so I'm gonna start 
in follicular phase yeah. and I'm going to test, you know, basically the second week of, um, of uh, the follicular phase mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. first week of the luteal phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there were some interesting things in there, but basically the, the main takeaway for, for me was, I mean, I had one, I had basically the same meal in follicular phase and mm-hmm. my post uh, meal reading was, I think it was 118 which okay. is not, which is not like great, but but not horrible. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty normal. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's pretty okay. And then when I was in luteal phase and had the same meal, I was at one twenty eight. Interesting. Wow. That's so a huge I difference. had ten points more just mm-hmm. from, and that's really started on day nineteen of my mm-hmm. cycle. Mm-hmm. So and that's why I know if you follow like, um, um, what's her name, um. She does the flow stuff. I'm blanking on her name right now, but you know, she track like following your cycle and food in the um, different parts of your cycle. Her big thing, Elisa Vitti. Sorry, finally came oh, to my I head. I don't know her, but it's like the seat cycling. Well, she's she's more you know focused on uh, beyond seat cycling, like getting uh, denser foods in your luteal phase. So the heavier, you know, the red meats right. and things like that. Yeah, I recommend that too. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's kind of, you just showcased really well while, why that is true, right? Because just naturally your blood sugar regulation is not as good because of those hormonal changes that happen um, in the second half of your cycle. And so um, it, you know, it is, it is worth looking into, okay, what kinds of foods are good for me at different points in our cycle. And I think CGMs are a great way right like you said you can do a two-week trial with a lot of these you know and um yeah maybe something also to um keep in mind i think is that most women uh with pms and everything they crave so much uh, they they really crave carbs uh, and kind of nasty foods (laughs) that you shouldn't eat in in uh luteal phase right right and basically the the better you eat already in the first phase of your cycle less cravings you will have in the in the in the luteal phase yeah and then as well that's really the time where you should really like keep away from you know indulging into ice cream or you know any of those snacks or drinking too much um or basically i mean there's there's tips and tricks as well that you can probably apply you know to to help with also like having a fun night out without Right. too much right absolutely much of those yeah. effects uh yeah. after that but um yeah basically i always say like you know if if you start your cycle well then you will probably have less of those cravings yes when you absolutely. when you actually arrive in that luteal phase but if you do really try to make the effort not to give in uh mm-hmm. to those things because you will just you know it will just make you feel more crappy and it will impact also, you know, the way you, you will have your period and yeah. And the two days beforehand, the PMS, right. The prostaglandins that are produced that make things not so great. Do you have any recommendations that you like in terms of helping people, um, when they do have cravings, do you have any supplements or anything that you like? Um, yeah, I actually have a blood sugar cheat sheet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like berberine. Yeah, I was going to ask berberine. So I just, I have to tell you, I just read that some people are calling berberine uh, nature's ozempic. 
I don't know if you have the Ozempic craze going on over there. If you've heard of Ozempic, have you? Heard no, of I mean I've heard it's um, as good as um, what's that uh, blood sugar drug again? Meta um, uh, metformin. Metformin. Yeah, yeah. Ozempic compared to that as well. So I, I think people lose more weight. It sounds like on Ozempic than metformin, um, and that's what people are using it as as a weight loss drug, pretty much. Even though it's supposed to be for type two diabetics, you know, I think it can be used for type one too, but, um, but I just read that about berberine. I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I think berberine is a great place to start if you're interested in dealing with, you know, your blood sugar issues along with a a good diet for sure. Um, and chromium is also great for, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you have these sweet cravings. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I know um, some people really, I never know how to say it, but it's, it's like guy, gynema. Yeah. Gynena. Yeah. I know. It, it's an herb. Is yeah. It there you go. It's probably gynema. Yeah, I also it's probably, don't know yeah, yeah. It, it's yes. an Ayurvedic herb, I believe, um, that you can get um, a form that you basically just let it just, you know, uh, melt in your mouth kind of a deal. Yeah, there's chewy options or something like that, or drops, I think, that will also help with cravings. Yeah, yeah, cut your cravings down. So I know sometimes people are like, I need help. Like, help me with not, you know, going into the cravings. So there's a couple of options. But um, okay, so let's go on to what kind of hormone testing is best to get the overall picture. And that was from Tripti. That's a cool name. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so, you already got started on, on it, okay. right? So yeah. I, I kind of cut you off. Sorry. That's all right. No, that's <laughs> fine. So I basically was saying, you know, hormone testing, I highly recommend because, um, the, otherwise you're just guessing because you can have the same symptoms with high estrogen and low estrogen, you know, and same thing even with progesterone. So you really actually want to see where you're at. Um, and I'm, you know, there's a lot of experts out there that don't believe in, continuing to test as you get deeper into perimenopause but i don't agree because i think it can be really helpful to see particularly when your estrogen is going to start lowering um and yes certainly estrogen can be high one month and low the next month when you're you know yeah. deep in perimenopause for sure but at least but it get- always gives you an idea exactly right right? and it's like let's combine it with the symptoms so that we can really see you know what's going on here and then you can also know okay now is maybe a good time for me to start to bring estrogen replacement into which as we mentioned earlier is a good idea to not wait until your estrogen has plummeted when you are in that last year before you technically hit menopause you know so um it can help with some of the craziness, like if you get that nice, even estrogen coming in alongside progesterone, but anyway, back to the, back to the actual question. So there are lots of different options around hormone testing. And I will just say that I think that there's a lot of pros and cons with each, and it depends on which expert you listen to. They, a lot of them have different uh, you know, uh, desires and what they want to see in tests and beliefs around what the test is showing them. So let's talk about the main options. So blood or serum testing is kind of the most common, right? And I would say the big pro with that, um, particularly if you are working with 
doctors that are doing bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, the um, telehealth situation, I know a lot of them rely on blood testing because that has the most research behind it, right? The majority of the literature that's out there that they can point to and say, this works, this doesn't work. It's the most accessible as well. The most accessible. It's the cheapest to get, you know, usually insurance covers it. Um, You know, for the most of us don't have an issue with the blood draw. Some people do, but, um, and you get it very fast, right? Like you get, you take it and you probably get your um, results in two days. Um, So that's really great. But the thing with blood, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, is that it is showing us total hormones with the exception of like free testosterone. um, And, you know, you need it with your thyroid. Like that's the way to go with thyroid. DHEAS is also, um, you know, the bioavailable, but the rest of them are the total hormones. And what that means is, you know, basically we, if you look at a hundred percent of the hormone in your body, two to 3% of that particular hormone, let's say estrogen or estradiol in this case, two to 3% of it is bioavailable, which means at any given time, it's what can get into the cells, do the little lock and key situation and, you know, actually be utilized and, and by your body versus 97%, 95 to 97% is bound. It cannot be used at any given time, right? It has to be converted. Um, yeah, and that's so- what's in your blood. That's what's in your blood. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're seeing those tests, that's showing you your total hormones, um, which gives us some information for sure. But sometimes you can have total estradiol that looks great, for example, or total progesterone that looks great, but your free or bioavailable estradiol or progesterone isn't that great. You know, so well, this... with blood, you can also not, I mean, you have the three estrogens, right? And right. with blood, you can only get estrogen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, oh, no, you can do the three in blood here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Oh. But for, I believe that estrone doesn't show up well in blood. Um, but, uh, no, excuse me, estriol doesn't show up well in blood, but you can, um, the S the estrone and estradiol you can do a lot of times though this is another problem is that doctors will run just estrogen so that's like your total estrogens that's not helpful either (laughs) it's just it's it's not a helpful situation and so um that is why we don't necessarily uh, particularly when we want to really see what's going on start with blood you know um And I will say just if you are on HRT, any form of HRT, the timing of you taking it will impact what shows up on the blood labs, right? So if you're taking estrogen that, you know, cycles through your body, I can't remember how many hours it is, but a lot of times you're missing that if you're taking a blood test in the morning, right? So you may be on the low end. So it's not necessarily showing you a good, um, picture of how much your hormone levels really are if you're on hrt of any form so that's kind of the pros and cons with blood you want to talk about saliva or dried urine um yeah and i think we also had um you you had a copy right of the of the dutch test yes Mm -hmm. yeah i can pull that up so maybe let's talk about that one because i think we we both like the dutch test for different reasons (laughs) um and that's basically a test that's yeah that's very widely used mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um 
so what's really nice, and this is a, a dried urine-based test. Um, so it gives, uh, yes, yeah, we just seen it also gives in um, the cortisol readings. So mm -hmm. cortisol being the stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And then this is the part that's, that I guess we, we really like the most is it, it gives a really nice, so it, it shows you the, your three estrogens. And I mean, in this example, they're all basically elevated, mm -hmm. um, but it could be that your your estrone is like within range, but your estradiol is actually on the low end or your estriol uh, is on the low end. I mean, this can be like, they, they don't always align like this. Um, and this test gives a really good detail overview of, you know, how how your different estrogens, uh, how your different estrogen levels are, but also how you're metabolizing your mm -hmm. estrogen. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really important, I find, in perimenopause, yeah. when we are often um, basically in the situation or we can't avoid to not being in, in a situation of excess estrogen, um, often because we have the, our progesterone is too low. And that makes us really prone to, um, you know, fibroids, fibrocystic breasts, and just in general, this kind of cancer risk. Mm -hmm. And actually in this test, we can see how we're metabolizing uh, estrogen. Mm -hmm. And what we don't want is that red pathway, which is the cancerogenic one. Mm -hmm. So we want, we don't want our body to use that too much. Um, and then we can also basically get an, um, an idea on how the methylation activity is. So um, in this example, we can actually see it's low, mm -hmm. um, which, and although we see here the, the hormone levels are pretty high, but we're not, we're not actually detoxing them pretty well, very well. So, and that may be genetic mutations that, or variants that, that come into play there, mm -hmm. but it gives a lot of information on things that we can do to support hormone balance so it's it's much more detailed mm -hmm. and then um yeah i think we can there was another question about uh, testosterone later that right. we can look at come back yeah um yeah just just to show a little bit too about what you're talking about the cortisol you know one of the best things i think about the dutch is that like if you go take a blood sample of cortisol um, and even saliva sample of cortisol, you're just going to get your free cortisol. With blood, they often only do one sample two in the morning. That's not telling us much at all, right? This no, test that's is telling when it's us, supposed to be high anyways. Right, right. And so, so if it's we, low, you know something's wrong. <laughs> right. I, 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 if you know, if it's low, then, you know, okay, something's off, but what does it look like the rest of the day? And as you can see on here, this is giving us uh, what we call a four-point cortisol test. So you're waking, your morning, your afternoon, your night, and you have these two uh, black lines and you want that red line actually in between those two black lines about yeah. halfway, right? And you can see this patient is like bottomed out essentially at that yeah. lower end of that black line. So they're definitely tired and <laughs> they're definitely running on some low cortisol. But this yeah, is- Yeah, they need you know, a lot of coffee in the morning for sure. For sure. So this is giving us your cortisol and your cortisone pattern. So we can sort of make sure that what we're seeing with cortisol is true. I mean, you can see both cortisone and cortisol are low, um, but this person is really 
their body's really like pushing out that cortisol, trying to make it higher. Um, and it's just metabolizing it out of the body real fast because it's just like, this is, there's an inflammation stress situation going on. Right. Um, you can see with the metabolized cortisol is high and you, the more, uh, cortisol metabolites. So all that's to say is that it's giving us a much better overview in the, in my opinion, than any other test when it comes to your stress system, your adrenals, your cortisol output, um, which is, you know, really helpful. As you mentioned earlier, stress is the biggest issue when we're going into perimenopause, you know, what we need to focus on. Um, yeah. And, and I do think that also it's, it's very important to, you know, when we potentially want to put somebody on um, bioidentical hormones, um, you know, before starting estrogen, we want to make sure um, that we're also metabolizing our estrogen well. Yes. Because if we start, even if it's bioidentical hormones, and we start somebody um, on bioidentical estrogen, and that person is not metabolizing her estrogens well, then we will actually uh, not create a a good situation. So, And, And I think that's really important to think about, particularly if you have fibroids. You know, um, this is something that I'm well aware of with, you know, my fibroid history, that I know there will be a time when I need to go on estrogen you know, and yet estrogen essentially, especially if we're not metabolizing it well, feeds the fibroids. And so I will certainly be tracking my estrogen metabolism at that point, you know, when I bring estrogen into the mix and making sure that I'm utilizing things to continually support good metabolism of the estrogen. So, and I know that's a huge debate. I've seen a lot, you know, some people say, oh, taking supports to help your estrogen metabolism when you're on BHRT for estrogen is not a good idea because you're going to lower your estrogen too much. Here's the deal. Some people, it doesn't lower it that much. You know, things like um, DIM, calcium deglucrate, those kinds of things. It may not actually lower your overall estrogen that much. It's just helping to metabolize the hormones. Um, But even if it does, you know, you, some people need to find this sort of balance in my opinion between the two, you know, because, um, I've seen women where their fibroids end up growing in menopause because of being on estrogen replacement, that estrogen Mm -hmm. replacement is really important for them, but we also don't want those fibroids to grow. Right. So, um, there's a little bit of a fine line there and continuing to support, even if you don't use something as strong as DIM, fine. There are other ways to support your estrogen metabolism, which we won't go into today, but that it's important. That's another reason that's a good idea to do this test early on, because I will tell you for the most part, if your estrogen metabolism is not good on the early end, it's pretty much going to be that way. Like I've seen that with clients where multiple, you know, it's just like if they stop taking the supports that were helping to metabolize their estrogen better then unfortunately that 16-OH or that 4-OH goes back up. So um, that's just kind of a little side. And then just really quick, this last page has a um, useful oat test, a a small oat test, which is an organic acid test. Um, And this is the best way to actually know what your true B12 levels are. Blood B12 is not the best way to know um, what's getting into the cells. This is really showing us what has gotten into the cells and has been used by the body. 
Um, B6 is also a hugely important vitamin when it comes to hormones. Yeah. Um, so that's on here too. And this is the best way to track that. Um, glutathione is hugely important, particularly for phase two liver detox. It's our ma master antioxidant. So this is also helpful to know. Um, I don't work so much with the neurotransmitters personally. Um, that's not my forte, but it is interesting to see where your neurotransmitters are. Yeah. And then for sleep as well, you get the, you know, the dopamine, the norepinephrine, mm -hmm. melatonin mm -hmm. that can also be helpful with, you know, um, women who struggle with that insomnia, although that's often linked to blood sugar imbalance or, and, or estrogen, uh, lack of estrogen, but, um, basically looking at, you know, those kind of, um, neurotransmitters that also help regulate your sleep cycles uh, or that can impact uh, your sleep cycles, um, together with cortisol. It's yep. also very helpful for sure. Absolutely. So we'll come back to this test when, uh, we talk about the testosterone, um, do you want to talk about saliva? Yeah. So then there's, uh, also saliva based, uh, tests, which is kind of the same as, um, urine. Um, you basically, in the sense you get the free, um, hormones, mm -hmm. freely available hormones, not the ones that are brown to protein. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, these tests are all like home at home collection. So, um, the, the one that we just looked at was, uh, where you would, uh, collect urine samples mm -hmm. and the saliva tests are this same uh, thing you can basically collect uh, saliva samples throughout the day or you can also uh, do a cycling panel mm -hmm. um, and you can do, do the same with a dutch test actually where you actually collect samples throughout your cycle so you get a really a nice map of your cycle to see where your hormones are at uh, at which stage which allows you also often to see, did you, um, you know, was your estrogen high enough? Did you make enough lutein, um, follicular stimulating hormone? Did you have enough luteinizing hormone? Mm -hmm. uh, did you ovulate? And how was then in the second phase of your cycle, your, your progesterone curve? Um, so that's, that's, it's, it's basically for me kind of the same thing, just missing um, missing the metabolites. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you will not lower about how you're metabolizing your your estrogen um your testosterone so um basically um some of the there were some questions linked to testosterone and there again it's sometimes important to see how are you metabolizing your testosterone and also um if you have a lot of inflammation going on um what we could see on what we can see on the dutch test is that um some of your testosterone may actually get converted to estrogen um, so that can kind of impact your, your symptoms as well. Yeah. So, um, this is all something that this is all uh, stuff that you can't see on a, um, on a saliva test, but yeah. it is as reliable, um, in terms of seeing the, the free form of hormones. Right. And, um, it's kind of the same, uh, I guess, way to collect, you know, just you're, you're having to spit in a tube a couple right. of times yes. per day. Yeah. Some, for um, some people that can be tough. I've gotten feedback. Yes, sometimes. it's true. Yeah. That's, that's, I'd say one of the cons is that for some people getting that enough saliva out, um, you know, and, and not as big a deal, I think when it's just a day test, but if you're doing the cycling yeah. test that, can yeah. be, you know, um, you need to make sure you can freeze it. Not that big yeah. a deal, but 
Um, I will just put out, and this is, I don't necessarily, some of this is controversial. This is not necessarily everything that I believe, but I will just put out some of the cons that I have uh, heard about from different experts on these tests. And as I mentioned in the beginning, different experts like different tests. And for me, it's almost more important that the doctor, if you're working with a doctor on BHRT, that they just really understand the tests that they're using, right? That they're, they've been doing it for a long time so that they have a um, huge sample of people that they're working with so that they understand the best optimal levels according to the tests that are on. But there is, um, you know, I know that there is a, a certain hormone expert that they only utilize urine testing, which is a little different from dried urine. So the Dutch is the dried urine where you basically, mm. you know, you pee either directly on this little piece of paper or you, I always pee into the cup and then dip, um, dip the paper in. And their argument is that the hormones, the lifting of the hormones off the paper isn't as accurate as total you know, urine, like literally the test that they use, you have a big vat that you pee into all day for 24 hours. Um, and that that is more specific and more correct. That's an opinion of theirs. You know, um, there are some experts that believe that the saliva, particularly if you're on bioidenticals and you're on, you know, progesterone, that it can show very elevated in saliva testing. Um, which may not be accurate as to what is actually going on in your body. Um, the cortisol testing, I had uh, was in some, you know, uh, class about if you think about doing the saliva and you're struggling to get the saliva yeah. out, that that can actually kick up your cortisol levels like right in that moment because you're feeling stressed. And so that that can show up in the sample um, again. You know, I think that there are going to be a one more dry blood spot is the other one, um, which some people really like, but then other people say what you're getting from the capillaries is not a true indication of what your actual hormones are. So as I said, and before, I just, I, I didn't know about this uh, urine test that you just talked about where you just basically pee in this big vat, yeah. as you said, yeah. but I mean, that, that would just take then an average of the hormones that you've been having all day, right? Yeah. So, which is basically, I mean, I mean, I mean, if, uh, if you're right, like, if yeah, you look at, does, at the it, Dutch, it well, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's also an average actually yeah. in the end and not for the cortisol, but yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the same. Um, and I really, I think it goes back to like, are you working with a provider that really understands their testing method? Right. I think that there's a lot of, I've seen this with clients where they're working with doctors and this is great. They're open to hormones, but they're literally just like, tell me what to give you, <laughs> you know, they, or they get a test and they're like, well, everything looks fine, you know? Yeah. So don't we hear that a lot? <laughs> right. And so it's not <laughs> helpful. Normal. Right. So if you are working with somebody that loves blood spot or loves saliva, cause they've been using that for 25 years, then I say you can trust them because they know, you know, based on what they've seen. And, and I think what's most important and what, what we also do is to actually relate that back to the symptoms, right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. 
the 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 test results are never just the gold standards it's right. just basically looking at the test results and looking at the symptoms and basically yeah. everything else we 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 see from maybe um blood testing or stool testing or or basically everything we've done and basically putting it all together yeah and absolutely so that it makes sense right yeah. so yeah. it's I, I i also don't think there's probably not that perfect test there is definitely but, um, not. also depending on what's going on for you you know if you're struggling a lot with uh, insomnia if you have sleep problems if you're very stressed, then, you know, probably the Dutch test is worth an investment for you. Right. Um, and if but you if you just want to have like a rough idea of your hormones, you may actually just want to start with, with some blood testing blood to, test. to have a rough idea of what's going on. I agree. I think that, you know, every client that comes to me that has fibroids, we're running a Dutch, you know, yeah. everyone that comes to me, that's having what I call any kind of growth situation. So that's fibrocystic breasts, that's polyps, all of those things. We mm -hmm. want to see how that estrogen is metabolizing. That's the most important thing from that test. But we're also getting all that information around cortisol. We're also getting the OATS test. Um, and then as I know that you do with your clients too, you know, separate thyroid testing is so important too, because as we go deeper into perimenopause, I mean, we've already talked about how much stress impacts you know, our adrenal function, and that is inevitably going to impact your thyroid too. And we start to see hypothyroidism really increase. Yeah. It's called thyropause actually. Thyropause. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so don't miss out on that. If your doctor no. is just trying to test your sex hormones, like you need to know what your thyroid is doing. And not just the TSH. Right. All right. the thyroid right. hormones, at least the free T T3 and T4. Absolutely. As, as a minimum. 100%. Those three that she just said, TSH, free T3, free T4. Don't let them just try and do free T4. That's a very small part of the equation. We'll talk a little bit more here about that in a minute. But um, also antibodies, first time, if you haven't ever had your thyroid antibodies checked, go ahead and check those because Hashimoto's is sneaky, autoimmune is sneaky. Um, and a lot of times we have them, we have it for years before we know, cause nobody's testing the thyroid antibodies and it's a very cheap, mm. both of those are very cheap. What is it? T yes. TPO and TGB. Um, yeah. yeah. So those, those are key. Okay. So I know we're going on and on and on <laughs> and we won't have time to even get through these questions, but let's go on to the next thing. Uh, what are a few ways to get started on the journey of figuring out what hormones are doing and what to expect? E.g. finding a compatible doctor, may have to kiss a few frogs, recommend <laughs> knowing your numbers, types, etc. Um, yeah, so this is this is tough because there are certainly a lot of frogs out there, I think, in the in the hormone world. Um, you know, I think you have to think, first of all, honestly, be really honest with yourself about how much you're ready to invest because there are you know, differences in terms of what you're going to get. Just because you invest a lot of money doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get a good doctor, but particularly yeah. up front, you're going to have to invest the money and it's not going to be covered by insurance. And I know that sucks, but the reality is you're setting yourself up for the rest of your life and getting in with a good doctor who is the, I think the, one of the big things to look for is, are they going to see you once a year or are you going to be in touch with them you know, minimum every three months? Are they going to be, 
you know, if you are getting onto biogenic hormone replacement therapy, are they going to be testing you to see how your levels are and checking in about your symptoms? You know, because I've certainly seen some clients where they're just like, oh, they just put me on this thing and said, see you next year. You know, that's not going to be in a, when you get into hormone replacement therapy, that's not going to cut it because the first, I've never seen a woman that starts it and feels great off the bat. It's just not how it goes, right? You have to figure out for your individual body, what is working, what isn't. So that's a big thing I'd say to ask a doctor, if you get a recommendation from somebody or you're just kind of, you know, researching, like how often are they going to be in touch with you? How open are they to questions and you being sort of, you know, them being in communication with you? Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure how to read this question, actually, if she's, um, that was Michelle asking that. And she's basically say how, you know, how to get started on figuring out what your hormones are doing, mm-hmm. what to expect. So, I mean, that kind of made me think of, you know, how, how do you know you're in perimenopause? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if that was what, what she was asking, but uh, so, yeah, she's asking about recommended testing, knowing your numbers. I think we can just agree on on one thing is that, um, you know, from 35 years on, you will probably lack progesterone and that might be very, very little and very subtle in the symptoms in the beginning, but it's there for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, basically doing everything you can do to support your progesterone with starting with stress management, um, but also taking you know making sure you get enough vitamin b6 uh, you're maybe trying some vitex or um trying seed cycling basically you know really adapting to listening i think you you really need to start also listening to your body and kind of going with your not what what your body naturally tells you and then you can look out for some symptoms like, um, you know, um, some your cycle might get irregular or it might get shorter or longer. Um, and you may uh, actually notice that you are not ovulating by um, not, you know, you will not have those fluid secretion right. around the mid of your cycle. Or you may actually see, um, you know, some skin breakouts uh, or stuff that you didn't used to have, like, mm-hmm you know, on the nose or on the chin or something like that around ovulation or when you go towards your period, um, you will maybe see more inflammation. You will see your mood change. You may actually be more irritable. Um, The sleep is, I think, probably one of the first things Mm -hmm. that women also suffer from. So when you get, especially when you get to the end of your cycle that you sleep worse and it's not insomnia, but it's that type of tossing and turning sleep mm-hmm. where you where you don't really like get to rest uh, mm-hmm. so you're just in bed but you're not feel like you haven't actually slept much or didn't get enough like deep sleep yeah um yeah and then um what what, what was i gonna say exactly brain fog <laughs> <laughs> brain fog comes into <laughs> memory stuff yeah i mean i i think that you know, I think all of that's really important and sort of everything that we've covered today is because because I do think a lot of times um, what I see is women sort of, they're way sort of past the point 
where they should have started on these supports, you know? Um, and so mm. they're feeling horrendous and not like themselves at all. And even if you go on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're 38, if <laughs> this person asking this is 38 or if she's 47, you know, so there's going to be a difference yeah. in terms of if it's your time to For go sure. on hormones or not. Um, also, there's some people in their 30s that need to go on hormones because whatever reason, you know, their things have um, plummeted, they've had medical menopause, anything like that. But, um, you know, I think starting to hone in on the lifestyle and dietary factors is what everybody needs to be doing whether you yeah. decide to go on hormone replacement therapy or not. You know, I believe in hormone replacement therapy. I think, as we've said many times, you can't make your hormones keep producing. Like when it's your time to stop producing them and it's going to, for the majority of women, cause a lot of upheaval. So HRT is going to be very supportive in that process to not be as much upheaval. It's not to say that you're not going to have any, um, but you have to have these things in, in place too, right? Because- Case in point, I will see women go on progesterone and their anxiety increases tremendously, right? Progesterone is supposed to be our anti-anxiety hormone. It's supposed to make us feel calm. It's supposed to help us sleep, particularly the oral form. And, and I've even seen this in groups that I'm in where uh, progesterone women will be like, I can't handle progesterone. It's like not working for me. And a lot of that has to do with your cortisol. Yeah. You have to regulate your cortisol. Your body will produce more cortisol and sometimes take that progesterone and, and create cortisol out of it because they go down the same pathway. So you have to understand if you don't really hone in on the lifestyle changes, the stress reduction, that progesterone may go the other way for you. You know, I know in some yeah. instances, um, you know, injectable progesterone helps some women better than all other forms. So sometimes it certainly is a form, but I do believe that a lot of women are skipping over the lifestyle factors that they need to get in place, the diet, the stress. Yeah, reduction. they're also more hard, aren't they? What? I mean, it's it's yeah. easier to just take a pill than, you know, yeah. managing like all the stress in yeah. your life or, yeah. yeah. But just so. as when we have hormones in our 20s or 30s, if we don't, Yes, we, our bodies can handle more at that time of being sort of like, you know, off script, but still, if you're eating like crap and you're, you know, high stress and everything, it's still even going to catch up with you. I see it more and more with younger women now too. You know, we have, we live a, a very chemical filled environment, like where our bodies are dealing with things that they have not ever dealt with before on top of all of that. And so um, you need to really focus on that as a long, this is the long game approach, oh. right? Um, so I will say that I am working on uh, creating a referral system for doctors that I have vetted um, that are, you know, good in terms of the particularly with BHRT and functional medicine, because I know how frustrating it can be certainly to spend a lot of money with, you know, multiple doctors and feel like you're not getting anywhere. Um, but in the meantime, I guess what I said earlier, I think is really important, you know, do your research. Don't go with just the first person that you come across. Um, yeah. We've talked about the testing. She asked, asked about, asked about recommended yeah. testing. We've talked about that. I mean, um, I think what, what we do as well, or um, 
I mean, here in Europe, I work a lot with uh, clients who will go to the doctor for the prescription, but I basically, Got you know, them. we discuss the hormones and basically what needs to be done. Yep. And then they just take that to their doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as long as the doctor is fine with, um, you know, mostly they don't know much about hormones and they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they will just go, yeah, you know, tell me what to write down. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. some will just, you know, completely be against it and say, no, 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 uh, hormones cause Hormones cause cancer. Yeah, right. Um, and, and hopefully yeah. everybody listening knows that that's not the truth um, at this point. But, um, you know, I will say I have a, um, a hormone testing class, a little uh, course that people can check out if you want to know. In there, I actually talk about optimal numbers for different labs around hormones. So I go into Yeah, because that depends, right? If you're looking at blood serum or saliva or urine, the range is all different. different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I've got a handout actually. I mean I talk about them and then I have a handout, an easy handout that you can print out. Um so I'd say that's I forget how much it is, like $22. It's a cheap way to, you know, have on hand what um the pros and cons are of the different hormone tests. So you can check that out. I'll put a link in um, the show notes. So I know that we've been on for a while. Maybe just um, we'll cover one of these testosterone ones and then save the rest for next time. Maybe we can combine them even. Um, so this person said, I am very sensitive to testosterone. Cream makes my hair fall out. So I use injections. My blood levels will skyrocket, but both total and free tea very quickly. Then I feel horrible, very grim and uncomfortable in my skin. I limit myself to 7.5 milligrams weekly injected sub Q to avoid this. I can do a little more if I go to the gym and resistance train on injection days. What causes a sensitivity and intolerance? And that's from Terrell or Terrell. I'm not sure. And I'm just going to read the next one too, because I think we'll combine kind of the answers. Um, testosterone injections make me feel, make me so hungry all the time. Is there a way to combat that without feeling like I just can't eat? Does it eventually go away? Been on injections for about seven weeks. And that's from Melody, Melanie, excuse me. And she said, I've been on T3 and don't notice any side effects, but just about four weeks into the T injections, it was like a light switch in my appetite, but I am not losing any weight. So that makes me worry. Yeah. So um, basically the, both of these things make me, make me think of the testosterone pathway um, that we just saw on the Dutch test. I'll bring um, it up again. I'll yeah, maybe we can go back to that. Mm-hmm. So hair loss is basically um, one of the symptoms that you can have if you're not metabolizing your testosterone well. So you can see here your your testosterone. Um, I don't... Yeah, okay. Your, I, I don't know if people can see if I, when I point actually uh, no I don't think so just, just no me. okay because I've been doing that before <laughs> oh, good. Um, but yeah basically you you see your testosterone and you can see that it um it basically has two different path pathways um the five beta and the five five alpha um and if you're basically metabolizing like in this example if you're Mm-hmm. overusing the 5-alpha pathway, which is the androgenic one, um, that will basically um, yeah, end up in symptoms like um, basically what, what also men have who have high testosterone. 
they have a lot of body hair, but not a much not much hair on their on their um, yeah. on their head. So yeah. it's this kind of baldness, like in the middle of the head. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, it may have you. Know, you may have excess facial hair. You may mm -hmm. have acne. Um, a lot of times, hair loss for women will come more sort of on these sides too. I've yeah, seen that a lot for women. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's basically what you know. She says she she tells about her. She she talks about her hair loss, and um, so she's getting those injections, and will have like very high levels of testosterone, and and you know, it will probably ebb off, mm -hmm. I could imagine, um, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. basically she gets later into when she was having, or yeah, longer into when she was having her injection. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it, it may just be that your dose is too high, um, mm -hmm. but also that you actually, and that may be genetically that you need to support that pathway, um, because you just have a predisposition to um, to overusing your 5-alpha pathway. So uh, the supplements that can help you um, basically prevent that. Um, but yeah, it, it can also just be that you're you're just having too much testosterone. So right, that right. you need to, you just need to adjust your dose and you may do better with, um, with, with a different support of, of testosterone. And I think testosterone is actually a tricky one. Uh, often women mm -hmm. need it, but mm -hmm. um, giving it as a bioidentical hormone is is a little bit is very tricky actually to 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 get into like the right dose that you want to have. Yeah. So um, DHEA is sometimes actually a better support that you can take. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can see here also in this pathway that you know your DHEA will uh, convert. Uh, into testosterone so you're basically taking a precursor mm -hmm. to making more testosterone and then uh, things like you know just basically doing weight training and having sex all these things will boost your testosterone levels so all, all these these are all things that you can do in terms of lifestyle um, yeah. uh, basically to to boost your testosterone a little bit and yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, just going back to this test, you can really see that this person really favors this 5A. Um, and it even says androgenic under here, right? And it doesn't say DHT. Um, actually, I guess down here it kind of talks about DHT. They actually used to have a DHT marker on here too. And DHT, I just always think of as that's very potent testosterone, you know, yeah. and it, it is going to show up in these ways with the hair loss, the hair growth on the face, on the nipples, um, sometimes even lower voices for certain women, you know, like anger, like if you feel really angry, like those are all signs. And obviously sort of the best way to know if that's your preference is to get a Dutch chest and see, you can try, you know, there's certain supplements that are are known, um, certain herbs that are known, particularly salt palmetto is kind of the most yeah. common one. Um, I think both you and I have used the Prosta DHT, Prosta DHT yeah. from uh, Apex Energetics. That's got a combination. It's got zinc, which also helps. Um and a few other herbs that are helpful around that. Um, I don't know how to say it, but there is a prescription called like spirinacolone or something like that, that I know is used a lot um, from a pharmaceutical perspective to inhibit that pathway, going down that pathway to inhibit going down that DHT. But, you know, I, I think it's best if you can kind of figure out maybe lowering the level of testosterone that you're getting and then utilizing some of these herbs to see if that helps 
so that you feel better and feel more normalized, right? It really, I mean, they're all Goldilocks hormones, but like testosterone, like you said, I think with using testosterone and um, this is why I'm against pellets, like pellets, you're putting a huge amount of testosterone in your body at one time and way, way, way above biological level. And, you know, having crazy sort of reactions to a lot of women do. And then it about halfway through your pellet, you know, like six weeks or whatever, then you start to feel a little normal and then it starts to go away and you feel like crap again, you know? So it's just like, you need sort of to, to figure out a more sort of steady dose of what works for you. And I imagine with injections, um, you know, that's just, that's a pretty intense dose that you're getting right off the bat too. So it may be about sort of lowering that. Um, and then I know we want to talk a little bit too about the question about the weight issue around it. You know, one of the things that uh, you can see here with testosterone is that it is a precursor actually to estradiol or estrogen. And you can see here, it says aromatase on here, right? And so basically in some of us, we convert more of that testosterone to estrogen um, than maybe we would like or need. Um, and so, and you see this in men, right? The yes. typical beer belly and breasts that yeah. come from all those male, male foods, like, yeah. you know, beer and pizza and yep. everything that spikes your insulin, right. Um, in, in their aromatase and right. same happens in, in women too. Right. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. It's like inflammation, you spiking blood sugar. This is all going to impact that, which is why again, goes back to diet, how much it, how important it is to really get salt, more protein than you would think that you need in perimenopause, right? The older you get, it's almost like the more protein that you need. Um, and that's going to help with inhibiting that aromatase. There's also aromatase inhibitors that you can take, um, you know, uh, supplement wise. I believe that there's also um, prescription one too, but I, you know, I think the, the herbs are pretty useful in that sense. And so that could essentially, you know, be happening in that situation with the weight loss stalled, because we know that sort of that excessive estrogen can lead to weight gain, right. Or trouble with yeah, and also loss. to cravings, right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let me make sure I didn't miss anything else on there. Um, so yeah, so that might be part of what's making you hungry is there is, you know, that conversion happening to estrogen. It's hard to say without seeing a test, of course, that's just a guess on our part. Um, in terms of the T3, um, you know, I could see T3 increasing your appetite because your metabolism is actually starting to work better. You know, you probably didn't have enough T3, which is our active thyroid hormone for those that don't know. Um, if you didn't have enough T3 going on, then, you know, there's lots of things that happen from that hypothyroid, um, issues and certainly a suppression and appetite can be part of that. So maybe your appetite kicked in cause you were actually getting enough T3, but that coinciding with maybe too much tea, too much testosterone, just like your appetite was like, wow, <laughs> you know, because of that sort of conversion to estrogen. So, um, that would be sort of my guess um, on maybe the connection there, even though it doesn't sound like you're gaining weight, you're just not losing weight at this point. Um, yeah. And it may also be just diet in the sense that you said, right. That you, you may not be eating your, your meal may not be balanced enough. So you may actually not having enough protein or not having enough fat often in, 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 uh, 
Uh, I mean, many women are just skimping on these yeah. nutrients, yeah. especially the fat, because uh, it's also equal cal calories. Um, yeah. so, so I always say if you're, you know, getting hungry under four hours, then you probably did not get enough fat in your last meal. For me, it's protein too. But, you know, if you're getting hungry two, three hours after you eat, then that's a really good indication that you just didn't get enough fat and probably protein in that last meal. Yeah, I mean, that's just one really basic thing that could also be happening there that just the, the meals are also not balanced enough. So she's, and then if she's working out and then, you know, basically all that in combination as well, as you said, you know, with high testosterone and um, actually the, the metabolism kind of kicking in that, that can definitely uh, be, be a thing as well. Right. And I just want to add so that people understand like, you know, why not just why high T or high testosterone isn't good on the androgenic side of things, but if you know of PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, the two main issues with that is high testosterone and blood sugar imbalance and weight gain is a huge part of PCOS. I'm not trying to say that this person has PCOS at all. I don't think that, you know, that she does, but we just have to understand that high testosterone, like no good comes out of our hormones being too high, just yeah. like too low, you know, and we have to figure that out honestly, individually. And that's why I go back to, you need to work with somebody, a practitioner like one of us or yeah. a doctor. And I like to work alongside doctors is, you know, to understand that we have to follow the symptoms of your own body. And so that's going to mean trying different levels of hormones, you know, and yeah, it's so bio and individual, isn't it? I mean, it I really think is. I've just said this, um, like a couple of weeks ago, like this for hormones, there's really no one size fits all. Yeah. Everyone is so different. Yeah. So, you know, diet or supplements that work for your friend, um, may not work for you at all. Yeah. And you just need to try them as well to, yeah. um, to see what, what does work for you. And, and really just, as you said, you know, listening to your body and kind of knowing like honing in and mm -hmm. and being able to interpret these symptoms mm -hmm. is really just a, a big part of it i think mm -hmm. and i wonder with this particular person melanie if you tried other forms of testosterone first or if you just went to the injections you know my guess is that's probably not the first thing that you tried because most of it, most people try topical you know first but um it could be that topical or another form is better for you. You just needed maybe more in the topical form, you know? Um, I know it's not always absorbed super well for everyone, but sometimes it's just too low. So I would say if you don't feel like you can uh, level out on injections, thinking about a different form. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay, you guys, we just covered so much, I know, um, <laughs> and there are a ton of questions, as I mentioned, that we don't have time to go into today, but we did want to let you know that we are going to be running a fantastic perimenopause program starting on July 10th. So basically, we are going to cover everything that you need to know to go into your perimenopausal years or work within your perimenopausal years. If you're already there, we're going to be talking more about diet and lifestyle. We're going to be talking about symptomology, what to look for, you know, what different symptoms mean in terms of your, what's going on with your hormones. We're going to cover, um, you know, all sort of the intricacies of 
herbs and other supplemental supports that can be helpful. Marika is including her amazing cookbook, um, which is going to be one of our uh, clients actually told me that that is like her favorite cookbook that she's ever gotten. And she's a very picky person. So I was, I loved hearing that. Um, that's going to get you off on a good foot, whether you're 35, just, you know, starting into this or whether you're 50 and you've been dealing with all of these things. Um, because of, as we've talked about today, it's everything, right? It's the whole package together. It's a holistic approach that we have to take to perimenopause, but also um, we don't have to go through hell for 10 years too, you know? Um, and I think that's what so many women are experiencing because uh, we're not educated on this stuff and we don't know the ways that we can be empowered to take care of ourselves. So we're going to cover all of this in four weeks. It's going to be um, kind of a dual program where you get a video and written um, packet on Monday of each of the weeks, starting July 10th. And then we're going to do a live Q&A every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So basically, kind of like today, you can just come on with your questions and we will answer whatever comes up. We'll also have a group page um, through where you purchase the program. Um, so it's going to be a private group that you can ask questions there and we can, you know, um, really keep you up to date on everything that's going on there. It's going to be really fun. You know, I'm excited yeah, to- I think so. I love sharing this information. I love yeah. empowering women and I know that you do too. Um, so yeah, we're going to have that. Like I said, starts July 10th. Um, there is going to be a link in the show notes from today where you can go ahead and uh, purchase it. I think we do have limited spacing. So I would recommend going ahead and purchasing it right away and got a discount code in the notes too. And that's only going to last for three days. So go ahead, sign up grab your spot. Um, do know if you can't make the lives, we're recording those. So you can, you know, listen to those later. You can send in your questions beforehand. If you can't make the lives, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for you to ask questions. So, um, it's going to be good. You have anything to add? No, I think that's, that's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, I think it's just really your basics to perimenopause, right? A, a kind of, some of the questions that we got, like how, you know, now I, now I have this and I don't know what to do with it. And so we're get, really going to cover like all the symptoms um, that you may experience and why that is and what you can do about them. So really just debunking a little bit, you know, what's going on in perimenopause, because I see so many women just struggling and having so many questions, not knowing what's going on, thinking they're going crazy. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, no, you, you don't have to go crazy. And uh, we, we just really want to uh, spend that time together with you and guide you on the, on that on that uh, during this program. So you can, you know, in a, in a nice small group setting, really, yeah. um, you know, discover these things and exchange and ask your questions and um, transition also, you know, diet wise and make make those changes. Try try supplements that will work for you. And basically, yeah, I think it's 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 pretty good to to do this in four weeks. It's pretty feasible, right? Um, yeah. And it will really just give you the basics of uh, mm -hmm. of the perimenopause journey. Yep, we're giving you the foundation. So yeah. come join us, um, Marika. Thank you so much for being here and answering these questions with me. Yeah, today. it was fun. <laughs> it's so fun. So um, I think I've said in the past, you know, feel free to send questions that I will 
include in my little document that we'll do more of these Q&A sessions if, you know, people are interested in it, um, because I think we can cover lots of different things um, doing this. So feel free to send those questions along too. But check out the notes. Go ahead and join us for all of July um, in our perimenopause program. It's going to be super awesome. And yeah, we'd love to see you there. Yeah. And um, we'll be taking a break on the podcast for um, the next six to eight weeks. Um, but definitely still tune in because I'll be bringing back some old episodes that you might have missed before that have got great information. So stay tuned for those. And I will see you soon.